Welcome to the IT Smart Guy podcast, a technology podcast aimed at the modern business owner. And here's your host, Tony Edwards. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the IT Smart Guy podcast, the tech-based podcast for the modern business owner. My name is Tony and in this episode we will be talking about the potential loss of both iMessage and FaceTime to UK iPhone users and a potential curb in fees for mobile roaming within the EU. We will then go on to the brain dump where I will talk about Windows, not the ones in your house but Microsoft Windows and why you might want to consider Pro over Home. Finally, as always, at the end, I'll be sharing my tip of the episode. Let's jump straight in to the news. Let's look at what's happening in the news. First up, a proposal to curb fees for UK roaming. The UK regulator Ofcom has put forward new plans that require mobile networks to inform people if they will incur charges for using their phones abroad. Ofcom aimed to ensure that individuals are aware of potential fees for roaming, such as making calls, sending texts, or using their data allowances outside of the UK. Surprisingly, one in five people are still currently aware of these charges when they travel. But under these proposed plans, mobile network providers must also inform customers about steps that they can take to limit the amount of roaming-related expenses. Consumer groups believe that these roaming charges cost the British public over half a billion pounds each year. Now, Ofcom has observed that some mobile networks are charging approximately £2 per day for phone usage abroad. Now, the decision on implementing these new rules is expected in 2024, and mobile providers will have six months to comply. Interestingly, the EU banned roaming charges in 2017 and even after the UK's vote to leave the EU, the scheme applied to British citizens travelling to the EU during Brexit negotiations. However, when the deal was eventually reached, it did not extend the ban on roaming charges for British mobile phone users travelling to the EU. As such, UK operators reintroduced roaming fees starting from January 2021. Notably, the UK chose not to enact laws requiring companies to notify customers about potential roaming charges. As a result, major providers like 3, EE and Vodafone reintroduced roaming fees for customers travelling to the EU in 2022. O2 implemented a slightly different approach with a data usage limit of 25GB per month before applying charges. Now, the proposal by Ofcom is strongly supported by U-Switch mobiles expert Ernest Doku, who highlights the lack of regulatory protections for consumers while using their phones abroad. Roaming costs have become quite expensive again, and many consumers face the risk of unexpected bill shock, which can have severe consequences. Research indicates unexpected roaming charges totaled an astounding 539 million for UK consumers last year alone. Ofcom also aimed to address the issue of inadvertent roaming, where a customer using their phone in the UK unknowingly connects to a foreign mobile network. Now, while this is rare for 99% of the populace, 
it affects people in Northern Ireland, especially those near the border, who may connect to networks within the Republic of Ireland. Similarly, some on the very south coast and Channel Islands may occasionally connect to a French network. To tackle this, Ofcom suggests introducing specific tariffs or acquiring networks to treat mobile usage in Ireland the same as in the UK. Now, some networks are already following this approach. Overall, Ofcom's proposal aims to bring transparency to roaming charges, ensuring customers are well informed and have control over their spending when abroad. As the school holidays are here right now in the UK, hundreds, if not thousands of you will be heading out of the country for some R&R. If you aren't sure what you have to pay to use your mobile device when you're outside of the country, the best way right now for you to check is to either pick up the phone and call your network operator's customer service number, they will give you the charges, or you can go to their website and just search for roaming charges and you'll be able to find it there based on the country you are visiting. From roaming charges to the potential loss of services from Apple for UK users. Apple has publicly stated that it would rather remove services like FaceTime and iMessage from the UK than compromise on security if new proposed laws are enacted. The UK government seeks to update the Investigatory Powers Act, the IPA, from 2016, with a specific focus on messaging services and their security features. Under these new proposals, messaging services would need to get clearance from the Home Office before releasing any security features to their customers. Now, the current IPA allows the Home Office to demand that security features be disabled without public disclosure, but the proposed update would require immediate action without the possibility of review or independent oversight. Currently, little information is available about the number of such demands issued and whether companies really have complied with them. As they are shrouded in secrecy, many messaging services currently offer end-to-end -end encryption, ensuring that only the sender and the receiver can unscramble messages. WhatsApp and Signal, among other platforms, have opposed a clause in the online safety bill that would empower the communications regulator to mandate the installation of technology to scan for child abuse material in encrypted messaging apps, as well as other services. Signal has even threatened to exit the UK over this issue. Apple is also against these proposals and have consistently opposed the IPA, which was initially criticised as a snoopers charter. The company argued that it won't compromise on the security features for any specific country, as it would undermine the security of its products for every user. Additionally, some changes may require software updates, making secrecy challenging. The government has initiated an eight-week consultation on the proposed amendments to the IPA. It aims to update the Act to align with current technology, but Apple and other technology companies are likely to resist the new requirements. Cybersecurity expert Professor Alan Woodward predicts that larger tech companies will put up a major fight against these proposed changes. The Home Office justifies the IPA, 
claiming it is designed to protect the public from criminals, child sex abusers and terrorists. However, it does acknowledge that the proposed updates are subject to the consultation process and that no decisions have been yet made. I've got a question for you. If you are an Apple user, could you live without iMessage, FaceTime or WhatsApp? Let me know in the comments. In the meantime, let's go on to the brain dump. But before we do that, if you watch the podcast on YouTube, I hope you have begun to see the product improve somewhat over the last few episodes. This is down to me going on to friend of the show, Pete Matheson's video masterclass. In his self-paced course, Pete walks you through everything you need to know about improving your video. From the way you talk to the camera, to all the gear and lights you need, and everything in between. Plus, he gives you personal feedback on the videos you produce. Now, you might think that learning this way, self-paced, is lonely. But by signing up, you get exclusive lifetime access to a video masterclass Discord channel filled with like-minded individuals, all of whom have got the same goal to get more comfortable talking to a camera. And it's not just IT people like me on the course, there are people from different industries in there too. Bookkeepers and copywriters, just to name a couple. If you want to take your video to the next level, I highly recommend taking a look. Click on the link in the show notes and it will take you straight there. Let's go on to that brain dump, shall we? It's time for the brain dump. So for this episode's brain dump, I've decided to talk about Microsoft, in particular Windows. Microsoft offer Windows in typically two versions that you might care about, home or professional. This means when you buy a new laptop or desktop, you have to make a choice. Do you go home? Do you go pro? If you're running any business, I would always stress and recommend choosing pro. And there are a couple of reasons for this. Windows Pro is predominantly aimed at business users. And as organisations, you will have more to lose from a security incident than a basic home user. As such, choosing Windows Pro gives you more safeguards. These safeguards include BitLocker, which is an encryption tool for your files and drives, both internally and externally accessed. You've got access access to Active Directory and Group Policy, so you can manage all the details of the PCs and user accounts that have access to these devices. Uh, you can even put uh, machines into kiosk mode, which lets you configure a device fully remotely using Microsoft's MDM. Um, you can assign access. This is where you run different apps depending on the user. So it doesn't mean uh, really matter what PC you're on. If you sign in using your credentials, you get access to the apps you need. You have the ability to set up a Windows device without needing a Microsoft account. If you're using Windows 11, this is a massive bugbear for a lot of people. Pro gets around that. You also have business-specific versions of Windows Update plus loads of other cool stuff. As you can see, a lot of these features and safeguards are security-focused. And that is because businesses tend to be more vulnerable 
or more susceptible to the security incident or data loss. And normally the consequences of these things are a lot more widespread and disastrous, for want of another word. Now, am I saying Windows Home is unsecure? No, I'm not. As long as your Windows Home device has got a TPM 2.0 chip and secure boot support, your home device is still secure. Pro just gives you the bells and whistles you need as a business user. In the past, there has been some confusion with regard to the use of Windows Home for business use. This is down to some of the wording within the end user license agreement. You know, you know what I mean. It's that document that you just scroll right down to the bottom, press accept and never read again. Yeah, that's the one. In this document, it reads along the lines of Windows being yours to use under the EULA for personal, non-commercial use. And you can use it for commercial use, but you require a separate license agreement. Now, this line is the same regardless of whether you buy Windows 10 or Windows 11 and whether you buy it Home or Pro. So does this mean you can't use Windows Home for business? Up until very, very recently, I thought it did. But after doing a ton of research while writing this episode, there appears to be some conflicting information. Now, there are a number of th uh, threads on forums within Microsoft support community asking this very question. Can I use Windows 10 or Windows 11 Home for my business? And the answer is yes. You can use either. Obviously, they want you to use Pro over Home for the additional security. And if you're using a Windows Server Network, for example, you will need to use the Pro features because you won't be able to access your server otherwise. But essentially, if you wanted to use a £250 home laptop to run your business from, you can. And there's nothing really anybody other than Microsoft could do to stop you. Now, in some countries, fines have been issued by Microsoft to businesses for using Windows Home for business use under the contravention of the EULA. But with so many businesses doing it, it's almost impossible to enforce. Especially over here in the UK, when you think the vast majority of businesses are in that smaller SME bracket. Now, personally, I will always recommend Windows Home if you're a domestic home user. Whereas if you're doing anything work or business related, go pro. Yes, it's a bit more expensive, but those additional security features, even just the BitLocker device encryption, makes it worth it. Because if your device is encrypted using BitLocker, chances are you're the only one that's gonna have the recovery key. You might give it to your IT support company as well, if you have one. Now, if you do have an IT support company and they have a remote monitoring agent on your device, they will be able to see from there what operating system you're running, whether it's Pro or Home, and the version. So when you report your device lost or stolen to the ICO under the GDPR guidelines, you won't have to worry as much about potential fines because if you've got BitLocker encryption on and you've got the recovery key, and your IT support company can prove that you have Windows Pro on your device, it will show you have done as much as you can to protect that device. I still don't understand, after being in business myself for over three years, 
why some business owners decide to skimp when it comes to their tech. Now, don't get me wrong. If I look at my desk right now, there is some cheap kit on here. My keyboard cost me about 10 quid. My speakers cost 20, 25 pound. The webcam I use day to day only costs 50. But these are peripherals. I don't need a 200 pound webcam. I don't need 200 pound speakers. But I do need advice to do my job to the best of my ability. And I need that to be of a certain specification. And because of that, it comes at a certain price. So if you're a business owner and you're not sure what sort of laptop or desktop device you should be buying for yourself or your staff, reach out and I will provide you with a downloadable document with my recommended basic minimum system requirements, free of charge. Before I set my business up, my previous employer went through some GDPR consulting to ensure that we were covered from a personal data standpoint, which, let's face it, is what every business should have done pre-GDPR enforcement and of course annually every year after to ensure them at least maintaining the standards. Now the devices we had for the team to use including the one I was using didn't meet the minimum standard required. Now don't get me wrong they were pretty good laptops but they were missing one thing which meant that we had to replace that whole fleet of laptops and we did that by leasing. Now my memory's not a bit flaky I think we leased eight laptops so it wasn't that many and we were paying a couple of hundred pounds a month which included any additional warranties and everything else so if you're after a laptop or a fleet of laptops for your team request that minimum requirement document and consider leasing if you're still not sure what to do go to my website link in the show notes and you can book in a free, no obligation call with me, and I will help you make the right decision when it comes to your team's devices. I've blabbed on enough. Let's move on to the tip of the episode. Our tip of the episode. Following on from what I've just said in the brain dump about laptop fleets and things like that, my tip today is for you to do, or your IT department or person to do, an audit, a hardware audit. The school holidays are here. Business is going to be quieter for the next few weeks as people disappear for holidays, meaning it's the perfect time for you to take stock before business picks up again, just before the kids go back to school at the end of August. So work out what devices you have, how old they are, are they still in warranty, are they up to date? And I'm not just talking about computers. I'm talking about mobile devices and tablets as well. Doing a basic hardware audit when you can will allow you to work out what devices you have, how long they will be supported for, and that way you can begin to budget for replacements as and when they are required. All you need to start is a list of the devices, their serial numbers and some core information. Things like when you bought them, when the warranty ends, the current operating system that's installed and things like that. Once you've got that, you can then build on it when you review and then you can also, from there, complete any remedial actions. Just think, when a new machine joins the fleet, you should add it on. When old ones are decommissioned, you remove them. And you should be checking this and doing this at least every six months. That way, you know where you are from a hardware perspective 
and also a budget perspective. So when the time comes, you can be more proactive rather than reactive. So that's it. Thank you for watching or listening. I hope you found the episode insightful and I look forward to speaking to you again next time. Before you go, I do have one small favour to ask. If you've enjoyed the episode, or even if you haven't, let me know. Leave a comment, leave a review. It's the only way I can get better. It's also the only way I can find out about mistakes. If you haven't already, give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've been Tony, the IT Smart Guy, and I will see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the IT Smart Guy podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do consider to like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice.